Welcome back to Behind the Splinters, a limited series interview podcast about the making of sci-fi's 12 Monkeys. This is Beep. In just a moment, you'll hear Cece and I speaking with showrunner Terry Metalis, the production designer on 12 Monkeys, John Mott, and the set decorator, Justin Craig, about designing everything from a time machine to the Wild West. Enjoy! So welcome back to co-creator and showrunner Terry Metalis. Thank you for joining Hello. us today. Thank you. And today, as newbies, uh, we have John Mott, the production designer. Hi there. Great to be here. And Justin Craig, the set decorator. Welcome to you. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So we were actually talking a little bit before the podcast, and Terry, you said you had a production design story that has now made its way into your life. So tell us all about it. Well, uh, it was funny because I, I would ha- I've been recently emailing uh, John and Justin because uh, I moved into a new house and uh, it, in Los Angeles. And it has a, a it's one of the few houses, I think, in L.A. that has an actual like basement. Um, and so I was, was going to turn it into a screening room. So I kept I've been blowing these guys up. I don't know how many years later now we are three, four years later. And I'm like, hey, so I've got the wallpaper from the Emerson Hotel. What's the complimentary paint color, or what's the wall sconces? <laughs> what do we do for that? And so these guys who have obviously moved on to bigger and cooler jobs um, are still getting emails from me. And so I, I just finished it the other day, and it's it's like uh, what I what I was telling them I did is I went into this chest of old props from the show and had like like newspaper articles on Jennifer Goins framed. And when they blow up Hitler, that like that, that article framed um, and and little bits and and pieces and like hung it. So it's all, you know, the old 1950s photo of Cole and Cassie. Right. So like when you, when you walk down into this thing, there's there's such a mood, you feel like you're walking into the past, but it's, it's all because of these gentlemen right here. Um, And uh, that you, that you've done that. I'd love to see it one day. I, I will. I absolutely. Next time you're in Los Angeles and this plague goes away, <laughs> this plague. Justin is also on a Star Trek as well. Right? Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, on, Justin. That's so great. Thanks, John. Yeah, I'm on um, on the new series Strange New Worlds. So I know so all about yeah. it. I hear about yeah. it daily. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's very cool. Um, yeah. I was uh, saying just earlier uh, that I thought it was so great that um, you know. Terry and all these other people are still so interested in the show. And mm-hmm. I, I also, when I went back and looked at your questions, uh, was just reminded about how broad the world was, how complicated it was, how much stuff we had done, the fascinating stories and connections between all the characters and the times. And obviously, it was super clever of the guys, and it was a real great challenge, and it was a wonderful opportunity to work on, on that show. I, I absolutely had the best time. Everyone says that, which is so cool. But literally everyone we talk to says that it's well, the best time. And they look back on it, you know, from other jobs. And even though, like Terry said, you might consider something you've gone into, you know, better or higher profile, but people just look back on it with such nostalgia and excitement. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to jump onto another show. Like I just came off of the expanse and, you know, and that had, it's, that's had, you know, that, you know, it's science fiction. It just had, had, it has its trajectory. But what I loved about 12 monkeys was the opportunity to do so many different things. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was like, yeah. So to do period, to do labs, uh, you know, science fiction, to do, you know, uh, you know, uh, battle war stuff. It's just such a breadth of sets that we were able to do. That that's what I loved about the show. 
You gotta love time travel, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I I feel like people so often talk about world building um, when it comes to fiction, and you all were actually building many different worlds uh, from week to week, um, as you just described. Can you, um, just for the layman listening, John, can you explain to us when we see, for example, production design, what departments you're overseeing? And maybe just give us a little bit of an overview. You get a script from Terry. For those of us that don't work in television, what are these departments and sort of what happens next um, from word on the, from the word on the page? Sure. Well, the production design is really kind of in charge of the look and the feel of the show. From the very beginning, it's like how dark or light is it in terms of tone and also, you know, color schemes and things like that. And, and obviously the specific sets. So it's very much trying to get in sync with the creator if it's a movie or you know or or it's a tv show it all starts at the similar place and then so you end up like where are we we are in this particular show we're currently a present time which has a plague and we're also in the future and then we're in all these different other past areas and how how do we how do we uh visualize those and what kind of tone would they be are they super dark are they are they light and cheerful obviously not in this particular case so it's a tone thing and um, then it's the specifics of that particular script. So if that talks about going to the past, we'll discuss, you know, what is it that we need to do and what do we need to build? What could we find locally that might look old? Um, so there's the building of the sets that we go to every week. The permanent sets is what they're called. So in the, at this particular show, it would be the time machine, big room, and then all the corridors and areas that are off that, the whole sort of splinter Raritan thing that ended up getting bigger and bigger as the set as the seasons went on and then there's the you know the the sets so the locations that happen in that in that in that particular um episode and then how we how would we find them what what do we want them to look like how can we make them unique to the show Uh, that kind of thing justin could you describe what the set decorator how they work within that and within the production what they're responsible for so our so our job is to manifest uh, John's uh, vision and his and his direction. So you, you know we'll we'll get a script and Jonathan will read it and I'll read it and you know John will John will have his ideas and you know I will have my ideas and you know we bring them together and, and you know we come up we come up with a plan and then I'm kind of let loose to you know go out and source the elements build the elements. Um, you know, upholster, wallpaper, you know, find, find all the, all the details and the sprinkles that go on to all the sets. So John, John will have, you know, he'll have a, a very specific idea about what he wants things to look like. And we'll, uh, we'll manifest that from the ground up from like flooring to furnishings, to lighting, to, you know, to wall textures, technology, um, you know, all of that, you know, it can be a challenge on a, on a television schedule, but, you know, I think John and I pulled off uh, some really great looks on the show. I think you did a fantastic job, Justin. And one oh, thing yeah. about Justin's job is, you know, the taste and the connection. And, and you know, yeah. he has to be able to talk to different people into his life. Yeah, to that. And so I'll, I'll work with, um, you know, I'll work with uh, John and, uh, and the director specifically. Um, you know, Terry and I cross paths a lot, but Terry was like so busy. So we get, you know, we'd sort of connect during our, our production meetings and our meetings. 
um, on various levels. And then we work with all the other departments. We work with wardrobe, uh, the paint department, the construction department. So I, I guess you could say, you know, I'm John's, uh, I'm John's right hand, but also, you know, I try to bring as much of my, uh, uh, sorry, as much as my creativity to the show as possible. Right. And that bleeds in across other departments too, because sometimes that, that is, that, that it bleeds next to props. Like I remember a couple things, for instance, like if it was attached to the core, like mm-hmm. the, the cells that like Cole removes in the second mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. that's something you build. He removes it from the set. So it becomes part of the set. So you design that even though it's like kind of a prop, right? Sure. Like how does that work? Sure. So <laughs> it's one of my, it's one of my most favorite things because I have, I kind of have a high threshold for how I think science fiction should look. So um, like, for which example, you know, yeah, which are, we have our, we have our, you know, we have our time machine and the core and stuff. And so, you know, we, you know, we inherited, you know, we inherited the beast and, you know, we tried to bring as much texture to it without changing its original look too much. So like, you know, given a given case where we have, you know, we have techs or coal working on it or, you know, people interfacing with the, um, you know, with the technology, I jump right in there and I say, okay, well, this should look like, uh, you know, and I'll riff on stuff like, you know, like, like on this, on the Nostromo and alien, or if I go like something like Battlestar Galactica or, you know, and I'll say, okay, this is, this is how I feel it should look. And so I work with my builders uh, I created a great build department who are with me today, actually. Uh, we've, we've been together for, for years now. Um, so, you know, any of that technology that interfaces, um, you know, we design it, we build it. And, and then we take real world, uh, sort of real world passes on it, right? So I'll look at the CERN Collider, uh, which is kind of what we're riffing on for the time machine. You know, I'll look at like nuclear power plants and I'll look at real world technologies and I'll say, OK, well, let's build that and build, bring all these different elements together and we'll sort of manifest a design. So we wanted to start. Uh, and let me ask really quickly, John, were you were with were you with the show beginning in season one? Yes, I did all the seasons. OK. All right. So just all right. So we wanted to start at the beginning um, with the Raritan facility and. You know, not only is sort of the look and the mood of that set set the stakes um, in terms of the post-apocalypse, but you also are, you're building a time machine. So uh, we'd love to hear sort of about that process um, and how you all designed and constructed that set. Sure. Um, So the the pilot was done in um, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. And they did have a time machine which was uh, which we incorporated into our time machine it wasn't perhaps what terry was hoping for so we did what in a much more grand and interesting space and we also wanted to make it more interesting and more um, realistic shall we say you know you know and actually by the end of it when all the lights were blinking and the you know, the thing was working. It almost seemed like it would work. It was, you know, yeah. it was well lit, and it was. I thought it was really kind of amazing. How I mean, there was, I, I there was nothing better than coming in at like six thirty in the morning when you're tired, and then you walk into that room and it's all lit up, and you're like, oh, I this is pretty cool for an office. Yeah. This is this is this is actually really, cool. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's different from because we've all we've all been on the spaceships and that sets and. Those are amazing too, but there's just there was something about that blue light that came out of that that yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. 
I think the whole mm. thing worked well. Everybody really came together on those on that that set. So I what you ask about the 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 concept was I was as I was flying up there, I was thinking, well, what you know, this is underneath a um, power station, I think, or underneath some structure. Yeah, can you guys? Um, and uh, initially, you know, and and so it was like, what would that look like? Well, it'd have to be really massive. And so I came up with some ideas of these huge concrete. Everything was really concretey, and the initial idea was lots of circles. And then we went and found this real power station, which had those concrete uh, kind of arches. And I thought that's the look. And it turns out, of course, that's the Hearn Power Station in Toronto, which is which is shot in a lot of things. And we did use that for other parts of the show, but that sort of basic architectural vernacular that that language was something that i really thought was very appropriate for us so that's why it has those shapes in it and also that giant high room i love that i love to get some space we were fortunate enough to have a very big stage and i wanted to use the most the the use it to the maximum and it had some additional built-in levels that i wanted to incorporate into that set so we ended up with that kind of power station-y, concrete vibe, which I thought actually worked really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I thought it translated amazing. I actually, I came into the show, I think, I think it was one episode in, Jonathan, uh, John, or one or two episodes in, I, I took over, and when I walked in and saw the, um, you know, the time machine room, the, the main um, galleria there, when I walked in, I thought <laughs> I was like I was like gobsmacked when I walked in there because I saw this this huge time machine, which I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> right? And then I saw the um, uh, what? I, and I guess in my uh, my my naivete, I you know I saw the walls and everything that had built, and I had just assumed that you know we were in a concrete facility, um, that that's what the building was. I didn't really you know, no, until like the next day. And I'm like, Oh, that's all set. But John, John had built, like, John and the team had built this fantastic, amazing area for sure. It was great. Yeah. They did a great job. And also the yeah. aging that in my world, the making things look old or different is super important. So the, mm-hmm. the team that does the painting is crucial and they did a fantastic job to make that place look old and, mm-hmm. and just the way, you know, I, I wanted it and I, I think Terry liked it. So that was definitely very important to have those colors and there's just the the 50s vibe and then the age and just it's it's quite complicated there's quite a lot of layers the people don't necessarily it's all unspoken nobody really sits there and says here look at this tile and look at this you know rust but so it's all the things you just take in and it feels believable mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and we've uh, uh, there's could you all explain, you know, you obviously have sort of the circle, the blue ring of the time machine, but also for fans, the actual chair itself um, is is rather iconic. Can you all explain where that chair came from? Well, the chair, the chair was part of That would be a Terry the, question. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, so the chair was part of the, so as John was saying, we shot the pilot um, over the course of two, three weeks in December of like 2012 or 2013, I forget what it was. Very cold in Detroit, and the time machine. Um, we kept losing all of our sets. That like we wanted. It, uh, there was at one point it was in the middle of a, an abandoned um, Detroit like auto factory, and like the rendering of it was. I mean, it was huge. And it's like if we were going to shoot the series there, we would just occupy the space. 
but one by one, because everything was so dilapidated in Detroit, it was unsafe. So NBC Universal was like, there's no way you're bringing a crew there. You're going to all die. Um, so <laughs> we didn't do that. And eventually, you know, so Ruth Amon, our, our original production designer, really all she had was a, uh, a new, it was like a, kind of like a particle accelerator. Um, and we knew he needed to get in a cool chair. And I think she found the chair at some airplane, um, you know, aerospace uh, uh, equipment uh, thing. And so you can, in fact, I think you could see it on the in the deleted scene uh, with Ramsey. On uh, it's it's very different. the The actual set itself, it had like kind of like a blue. It was like a tunnel kind of thing, and like John said, it was it, it was it was fine for making this series and showing the intention of what the space was, but it wasn't uh, for showing like the pilot. But it wasn't right for to to spend the whole time like series and we had no no space for jones and the scientists and whatnot so the but we knew like the basic front end of the time machine worked it just needed like a whole like needed to be bigger extended and jazzed up and the chair now the chair didn't have that flat like extended leg section either it was just kind of part of the chair so john John got the front part of that time machine, which God, I don't can't even believe we kept, they, they kept it somewhere, and the chair, and then had to do everything kind of around those ideas. But I, I don't think we ever really found out what plane it's an ejection seat from. Um, I do know we looked long and hard for another one, and we never found yep. it. Yeah. 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 Boy, did we item. to this day, some of um, uh, some of my suppliers still call me up and send me photos saying, is this the chair? Because they'll, they'll trip up. <laughs> and it's like, are you still looking for it? Is this it? And I was like, yeah. no, no, that's no. And oh, I said, but so if fun. it is it, that day when it, when it is it, I'll call Terry and I'll, and I'll say it's on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll probably buy it. But the, uh, <laughs> I, I think we the only time we ever found it was years later. It was on a website and then we called it. And then I think we found out that when we called them, they're like, oh, we sold it to some TV show for Universal Studios. I'm like, oh, shit, that's ours. And they still had it. They still had it up on their site. Um, but that's yeah, funny. so we don't know. It Sorry, is prominently displayed right now up on a, on a nice pedestal and display right now in, in my arcade at my house. So that's fantastic. Nice. That's you so guys fantastic. need to come by and see it. Um, I, I think that. that that whole thing and putting it on the the kind of dais thing of the steps and then the, I think we had a thing that raised it up and stuff uh, really kind of iconified that whole thing and then when he yeah. or he or she are in that light uh, it's it's quite a it's quite a spectacular uh, thing I never really got tired of that but there's also the other section too which I think is really important for the scientists was we never really had a look uh, and I remember early on John's like so what do we do for them and I'm like well it's kind of like the bridge, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. Star Trek. You got a helmsman and a and a navigator, and then you know you couldn't put Jones in a chair. And so I remember saying podium. Uh, I, oh, I drew like a stick figure thing. What I thought it should be like, and I like took a picture of it and sent it to John. And then you know John goes and was like, all right, well now I need to make the stick figure thing look good <laughs> that this idiot drew. You know, we're, we're always happy to get the stick figures. It's not a problem. It's all good. And um, there was a lot of that. But, you know, what was so great about uh, John and Justin is it, if you have people who can elevate your vision, 
you've you've won the war, you know, because sometimes we'll just write, for instance, uh, interior dark space. The pallid man tortures Jennifer Lawrence or whatever it is, right? And so, and it's great for storytelling. And then, you know, it's up to these poor guys to be like, what's a dark space? What do you mean? Is it like a basement? It's like, and you're like I don't know. It's like where they where they do stuff. And so, you know, they have to work with locations and be like, how do we make this thing kind of interesting? Um, and and uh, and you can get very lucky. And you, also, I've, you know, I've worked on other things. You can get unlucky or you, you show up on the set that day and you're like, oh, my God, I really should have been more specific about something. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and again, and, I, and I, you know, I'll say this again. I've said this on other other podcasts is we had no money. So mm-hmm. anything, anything that these down. guys, these guys did were, came from pure cure, uh, uh, creativity. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I've been talking about this at work recently right now, cause I'm on a show with a, with a significantly larger budget, but I really believe that those limitations can make you more creative and, and, and give you some more interesting results. Um, Having said that, I still wish we had another $2 million an episode on 12 Monkeys, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> I do too, but I do yeah. agree that uh, some of those restrictions do sort of force you to be perhaps more creative or really think more more out of the box. And yeah. uh, I think we were, we yeah. were, I think, lucky on... Uh, well, both, you know, we had good, a great decoration team with Justin. We also had a good location team or teams. And mm-hmm. people were, I think, realized that we were trying to make a good show, trying to make a good-looking show. I mean, not just... I mean, not just Terry, but which was, you know, but more sort of boots on the ground. We want to make this thing look great. And I really felt that there was a sort of a fairly uniform feeling that let's make it look good. And I thought that was, I really enjoyed working in Toronto, I have to say. So, yeah, me too. Uh, it was, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't quite so much, oh, we've seen it all before. This is just a cheap show, you know, which I've definitely right. seen, but, you know, and it wasn't that. And that was made a huge difference to people just going out a little, they'd look for a little longer. They'd look at different options. They'd go, oh, you know, I remember seeing that definitely. little place that, you know, definitely. what about that yeah. place? And, yeah. or, or, you know, in Justin's case, you know, well, we could do a little more searching. What about that little guy that sells stuff out and the, whatever? And just yeah. going that extra few yards and i felt mm-hmm. that that we really benefited from that mm-hmm. actually that actually john john that's really interesting because i remember when we did uh the no man's land and um where were world, we? world, we world were, war one trenches the, not the trenches um, i was gonna say i can't remember the world the, 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 i was that it was the between the berlin wall Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Remember yeah. when we oh, went out there and did so that? Good. And like we yeah, were yeah, way, yeah. way out of out of the zone and out of Toronto and way out there on the road. And I, I remember say, thinking, you know, why are we, you know, where are we going? And you know, why are we out here? And it's so far. And then when I got here, I was like, damn, <laughs> yeah, this real this really works. And so uh, Jonathan had laid out all these different ideas of these barricades, and you know, we brought in all these burnt out cars and. You know, we had all of these soldiers and I, I, you know, and that still resonates with me to this day, how great that set looked. And we had those spotlights searching and the barbed yeah, wire and I agree. yeah, it was a good day. Yeah. There's not enough footage of it, actually. There, uh, there, there's not an, like, there's really not a wide shot that really takes in how big that space was too. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. it was, big. it was, yeah. a, it was a feature set basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that worked out yeah. pretty well. That's and um, yeah, I wish we had more footage of it. 
Yeah, that was we I'm so glad you brought that up. Oliver Grigsby for fans that are on the Facebook page actually posted photos of you all building that set and that's that's one of those moments as a fan where you realize how much you take for granted what you see on screen. Um and yeah. what you all had to build just for for one episode, you know, one trip to the 1960s. Yeah. yeah. Um we would love to hear about uh the Emerson Hotel. Um, and how it in and of itself is telling, you know, it's always the backdrop and it's kind of this beloved home for the audience and the characters. It's like this uh, touchstone, this place, no matter what decade you're in that you come back to. But it also is, you know, it's telling the story of kind of these luxury hotels that were around in the 40s. And then we see sort of where it's ended up in the 90s or in our present right. day. Yeah. So Terry, I don't know if you want to start off just what you all were, um, you know, writer's room, the idea for the hotel and then, and then John can pick up from there. Yeah. I mean, the Emerson hotel is an idea we should have had in season one. Although I, uh, when you watch it, the series in order now, it's kind of nice to discover it in season two as the mythology deepens. Um, It really was that we didn't have a, 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 great idea for where Cole and Cassie would operate in season one and um, all the old timey goodness that became the Emerson hotel. We kind of tried to throw into, I was like, I don't remember where the bookstore came from. It was some idea that Travis and I had, and it was to give, give it a less polished. We knew like they couldn't just be hanging around Cassie's apartment. Um, it, It just felt wrong. I remember there was like an early draft when, uh, I think Natalie wrote and like that act, it was Cassie's apartment and like Cole walked up to a treadmill and turned it on and fell off. And I was like, you know what, this is exactly the thing we can't do. Um, and so we were like, what else could we do that, that implied history, history and was moody. Like that was the key. It had to be moody. Right. I think we did end up making the bookstore, but I, as you said, it didn't work as well as we had hoped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you guys I mean, came, it came up out with great. The, I mean, it's like the light through the newspaper, and it really is. No, nice I didn't. I didn't. I mean, so much the look. I just think you were restricted, and it was too. It was too linear, too one thing. Yeah, exactly. So the Emerson came out of, you know, one. We knew they were going to go further. Like season one, they didn't go very far. They were just mostly traveling in the present day. We knew they were going to go back in the forties. And then it was just like, what if it's the time traveler hotel and you could hide all these Easter eggs from, from adventures that are coming in that room and in that hotel. Um, and it just was kind of perfect. And boy, did we use that set uh, a lot and it, it never really felt like it got old and never, there was never, if you go back and watch the show, there's never a moment where you're like, oh, we're back in this set again, which can happen on TV shows. Like, I start to feel it. I'm like, oh, they just redressed this because they ran out of money. Um, and yeah. <laughs> But for the Emerson, John built so much of it. There were hallways. Um, we had another room. We had that the lobby. We had the bar. There was just, and then there was a lounge in the, mm-hmm. in the lobby. Yeah. So we were able to just mm-hmm. use so much of it um it was pretty fantastic then so we built it and then didn't in season three we moved it to a didn't yep. we have to like 
go pack it all up and then move it to a different soundstage. Yeah, that's of, exactly uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> was built twice. Yeah, that was great. It was built twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so first of all, I think the idea was really a genius move. One of several really, really genius moves in the show. The other was that time is sentient. I thought that was one of the most interesting things um, of the show for me personally. But the, but as a production design challenge or uh, problem to solve, it was a, it was a great one. And you know we we researched the New York hotels. Uh, what you know ones that were defunct, ones that and they there were as you say gilded age places that. And mm-hmm. then they had fallen on hard times, and some had still remained. And you know, it's it's not based on any one ho- uh, any one hotel, but it has elements of several hotels. I did want to have a mezzanine, you know, with the stairs. I thought that was really important, and a way to look down upon the lobby rather than just a lobby. You know, the lobby was really important for you could have those. And then I wanted to have something in it, like I think initially it might have been a fountain, but it ended up being a clock, which I think was great because of the time. And then several different spaces that were discrete, so we didn't have to have all the people milling about all the time, like in the bar, and then sort of be then near the elevators, and then up top in the little mezzanine. So lots of different spaces for them to set scenes. The good thing about the room yeah. is that it really stays the same all the time. And I think so. Although we did make some small changes, it it and there, you know obviously when the hotel gets overgrown that was a great change and looked wonderful mm-hmm. the room does does become is kind of a constant and i think that's a really important reason for why it doesn't seem old um, because it's right. not being redressed and repolished and turned into something else uh, and i really uh, because there was always there is often um pressure to recycle sets um that was definitely one that we we really fought hard to keep hold of so we didn't have yeah, to keep re- yeah. remaking it and uh that was i think one of the reasons that was that it feels it does feel like a touchstone it feels very comfortable um it's it worked i think that set worked really well also the color the colors and the feel and the tone of it was uh, was great yeah yeah, yeah. The, do you all have a you know one of the sets at least as an audience member when you're when you see the emerson hotel overgrown as sort of this desolate but also beautiful like abandoned garden mm-hmm. i'd love to hear a little bit about right because that's conveying you've taken that that's a big jump you've taken us through a lot of different decades but that that is a jump that is you know it, it really signals to the audience where in time we are and to take something that's so familiar and really transform it well i can say you know our, our transitions certainly the um, you know, of course, the the room was great um, because we had, you know, we had some sort of iconic elements in there that we, you know, we, we would sort of ebb and flow. We'd put little little sneaky little Easter eggs here and there in in their suite. But I loved the um, the lobby, and it's interesting when we when we started, um, Jonathan and I would, you know, uh, <laughs> or John, remember when we um, remember when we were sharing pictures back and forth about like like found. Uh, apartments in Paris that, that had mm-hmm. been locked up and, mm-hmm. you know, and exactly. it had been left at like these little time capsules and, yes. and, you know, John would be like, like this. And I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. And so we would try to, you know, we would try to bring that to the floor and, you know, and then when John was looking at all of these, these awesome lobbies and, you know, and, you know, uh, you know I won't say, I won't say the shining, but I'll just say like, you know, all of these, this, this majesticness, um, and you know, when, when John brought in these curved staircases and we were looking at the, the wallpapers and, 
And what the challenge was, um, was to transform that environment so many different times. So we, you know, we were doing the sixties and the seventies and, you know, and, you know, and yeah, when we had the overgrown element and we tried to destroy, uh, gently destroy as much of the lobby as possible, uh, because next week we would have to bounce it back to, you know, back to present day. Right. So, uh, that was always like, Okay, make it look really bad, but you know Wednesday it's got to be back to ones again, and it's like oh god. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely one of the challenges of television is that you know you do have to recycle sets, and and especially with the time travel show, um, you know you could be back in the when it, in its heyday in the next in the next episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and here's a here's a key point that. Uh, I don't don't know if a lot of people talk about, but, um, you know, as us that sort of run the show um, and we're sort of manufacturing these elements, like what my challenge was, uh, you know, and and John's and graphics and everything like, you know, three episodes down the line, we need we might need be back to that same space and have it look exactly the same. So, or we might have to go, you know, back to the room or back to here. So we had to track all of these elements and all of these graphics. So it's not as if we could, you know, say recycle something and then, okay, we're done with this set moving on. We would actually have to save all of these elements and track them. So like, for example, in the temporal facility, uh, John, if you want to talk about the boards, uh, with the papers, <laughs> the boards. Uh, with all the newspaper articles, the boards, the boards, <laughs> the right? Boards. Like That's if there right. was a if there was a if there was a wrinkle in time, you know that post-it note needed to be ten inches to the right, right? <laughs> and yeah. so tracking all of that was uh was a I'd forgotten about effort, the boards. Yeah, that's yeah. you're absolutely right. So the boards was yeah. a solution to the. A displaying of inf- information problem that we had that we didn't want it all to be digital and we wanted to be able to change it and play with it and have it have it more um tactile and so that's how that sort of ended up being what it was and having different layers and having the, the boards be on wheels so they could be pushed around and cover certain things could be covered up and certain things could be exposed at will and so it was a very useful tool and i think we used it quite a lot we also did have we also did have digital um displays um older style um but um uh yes but keeping track of i think i had one guy one person who was just doing that that was all they did was mm-hmm. take photographs and take notes yes. and make well, there sure were multiple everything boards you know. too at one point right like you could just take you could take down oh, the future right. boards yes, right. and then put up the old boards um, and I, I've said this before, I, I, on the very last day of shooting, I, I was directing and uh, the last shot, I think, was Cassie on the, on the balcony of Titan, which we're, uh, that balcony was also on the same soundstage as our, as our facility, or the main facility. And um, I was kind of dreading the goodbye, even though we, we weren't finished shooting the series because we would go to Prague for another two months or so. Um, I was sad to see this goodbye. And I, and I said to Amanda, I'm like, you know, we're going to call rap and then I'm going to walk into that time machine room and I'm just going to break down. I'm just going to cry mm-hmm. looking at that time machine again. And so mm-hmm. I said, in fact, every, every break I would go and I'd look at the time machine and kind of say goodbye to it. So what we called rap and Amanda and I were walking around and saying goodbye and she's in tears and we got to the time machine. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh, we, we got to say goodbye to the evidence board. And when I saw the evidence board, 
that's when, because it was the whole story of the whole series, like four years of, of, of push pinning up each one of these plot ideas from like Leland Frost to the story to Titan, to the prime, to the, uh, the, the, um, the messengers. And so that was unexpectedly the, when I got the most emotional (laughs) was saying goodbye to those boards. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a, that was a cool looking set that I must say that whole vibe was great. And you guys were so clever in creating all those different connections. It was very impressive. One of, um, we'd love to hear about, and maybe Terry, you can start us off. One of, for lack of a better word, coolest, most original sets, um, even ideas of the show is Titan, a time traveling city. So, mm-hmm. if, oh my God, so, we have so many stories about this. <laughs> no, so Terry, if you want to, uh, you know, it comes up in the writer's room, it's a time traveling city. What does that look like? How does it work? So uh, from right after season one, we knew this, that this place existed, this uh, the, where the witness was operating from. And we always knew, we knew, I think Travis called it Titan first, I think. And um, there were many discussions. We knew that season two was going to be the journey to find this place to go, you know, into the lion's den. Uh, and I think it was Chris Monfett, who was like, what if there's a giant ring around the city and you cross it? And what you don't know is the whole thing is a, it's a time machine. And I remember was like, how that's crazy. Um, and then a couple few days went by. I'm like, actually, that's pretty cool. Cause then imagine looking for a place uh, and you, you know, it's where it's supposed to be. And you've got its longitude and latitude. And when you get there, it's not there. And the reason it's not there is it's not there yet, but it might be there tomorrow. Um, and so it started to evolve and then it was like, well, how do you, it's kind of like, how do you move a, how do you move a city? Like this, the foundation must go with it. Right. Which is why those craters, um, are left behind. Uh, Cause you can't just drop a city on top of any kind of landscape without having major issues. So I, I and I just always, I'm always fascinated whenever I'm on a road and I see those, um, oil refineries and they're just, there's just lights everywhere. And it looks so infinitely complicated. That I was mm-hmm. like, well, it would make sense that a refinery and a power station would be its base just for the intricate complications. But like, what if there are these towers? And if you, you can't see it, but if you were real, if you went up there, you're like, Oh, those are Jones's time machines. And there's a ton of them and they connect and they make a big kind of anime sort of <laughs> uh, symbol and the whole thing, you know, it was just, I don't know, it was crazy kid imagination. But we had nothing like that <laughs> to shoot in. Like, And the whole conclusion of season two was walking inside a giant time machine. So, John, I'm going to hand this over to you as to how locations found this and <laughs> just yeah. and how we turned it into. And then what we did for season three when we, we knew we were going to be like – because we, 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 we were able to find out location in season two. But season three, we had to be there all the time. And so that required another, another thing. So take it away. Cool. Um, so I have to be honest. I'm I'm sort of not quite sure exactly when some of these sets played into which seasons. But we we did use um, we did use the power station, the Hearn power station for the the corridor with the repeating red arches, and we did right. build that season. Sets. That's season three, right? Okay. Yeah. And season and season three was that when we went to Sarnia to the to the um, no, season season the end of season two was sarnia was, okay, was right. that was the big like 
Well, that was a that was a defunct oil refinery, uh, quite a long way from where we were living, uh, where we were working. Excuse me, and they were generally we were fortunate enough to for the location department. This is another example. You know, we said where where could we do this, and they said, well, there is this place, but it's miles away, and it was a long way away. So we had to go and look at it and figure out how to do it at night. So it added more to the look and add a whole bunch of, Justin made a whole bunch of lights and all sorts of, we painted things on things and we made uh, the giant uh, dais. <clears throat> and then we basically kind of lit it and shot it. in. A, and I think we also made some structures, the structure where they run across mm-hmm. the edge. And mm-hmm. um, so it was a, it was a using a, a, a non-working, but still completely extant refinery or small refinery and and adding it did have these great towers that terry and i thought were just awesome when we remember the first day we went there oh, yeah. it was oh, yeah. just fantastic we thought man we could totally see that um so just to, to also jump in it, it's you can't shoot in an oil refinery like it's it's so dangerous and then we had to go out there Everyone had to be what we'd had to. Have, we all had steel tip boots, right? We all had to be in jumpsuits. Or steel yeah, full, uh, full PT, yeah. full, full personal protection equipment. <laughs> we, we had to, we, we had to wear. We all had to wear uh, uh, these uh, special coveralls, uh, hard hats, glasses, gloves, yes, that's uh, right. and then uh, steel tip boots, which is kind of a normal thing anyway in our industry. However, um, there was this, um, and because the because the oil refinery was being abated, um, they're like, okay, so don't wander off. This is the area you need to be in. Don't go snooping around. And if you hear this alarm, this siren, run to this room. It's a blast-proof <laughs> right. safety room. And we're like, what? We're like, oh, yeah. so we're go like, back. This is Say that again. This is where this is the we're called. We call them like gathering points. But he goes, you need to get in here as quickly as possible. And as we go in, we see like the the six inch thick glass and, you know, the steel door and, you know, and all of this stuff. Right. We're like, where, 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 where are we shooting here? Like what's happening? <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad when we, did, that was just for the survey. When we ended up actually working there, things got a little bit more relaxed, but it was very interesting. It was a fantastic look for our, for our show, particularly we could never have afforded to build that. It was just so much scope that, um, and I'd forgotten about the the safety precautions, but Justin's absolutely right. That's exactly what happened. Uh, yes, but, we um, we went yeah. there for end of season two, and then we went back for the big finale. We went uh, and where they had opened up even uh, a oh, larger right. space okay. for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, but so for the the corridor look, um, the red corridor. We so we knew that that, that would be sort of the, like in the belly of Titan. Right. Um, but we didn't because we because Sarnia was two and a half hours away from from we couldn't go there and we wanted to spend a lot of time in Titan. So we just went to our Hearn power station, where which was also a temporal facility. And it made sense to us that the corridors would have those similar angles that were in the temporal facilities because it was, you know, the same um, design. It was Elliot Jones, who was part who, who designed Titan also designed the temporal facility. So there would be those touchstones. Um, and I remember I, I, you know, when we wanted to go there, I, it was, there was a lot of internal debate about what we would be able to light in that space and what we wouldn't. And John and I, and I, I was just, I was hell bent on, on, on doing it. I, and, and specifically 
I don't know if you guys remember, it was the top of season three when we built the the uh, the dais uh, in the center of that that space, mm-hmm. and then you uh-huh. could go up three three or four stories where Cassie jumps. Mm-hmm. That's all. There's no um, wizardry there. There's no like special effects. Cassie is literally up 200 feet or so on a Amanda was on this yeah. safety rig. We camera crews were all up there. What you saw is what you got. That was that was and, awesome. And so, um, and I remember I was going to. There was a there was a lot of pressure from producers and DPs who were like, "We can't, we can't do this." And I was going to give up. And I looked over at John, and he's like, "Go with your gut. This is going to be amazing." And yeah, it, it was John, it was you, John. I was like, "Okay, yes. we're doing it." I remember that conversation? And I, yeah. and I think our our producer at the time wanted to kill all of us this because it was going to be an insane herculean effort to to pull it off but we did yeah yeah it was yeah. Uh, i remember that one and after that when it was ready and we looked down and was like glad we went with that you know as you, oh, yeah. with all the lights were on and everybody was there and we were ready to start rolling it's like man this is cool yeah 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 it's and that ugh, that's such a beautiful shot um yeah, well, I'm glad you guys went with your gut. Um, there, are, uh, there are a few, you know, in seasons three and four sets that are within Titan, um, whether it's Cassie's chamber that almost seems like a, a renaissance. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, prison. Um, to So I'd love to hear about that as well as in season four, building how the witness taps into with all of those you know hoses that you know olivia's chamber yeah yeah Yeah, cool terry do you want to lead off on yeah sure i mean um you know it's all just geeky imagination i knew for for cassie's chamber when when it was very um i mean they're all the the 12 monkeys are very dramatic they take their religion very seriously um and um I remember at one point we were on set and there's a couple of acolytes, those guys in the red masks. Um, and we were, and uh, the guys had their masks on the extras and they were talking and one turned to the other was like, so what do you think uh, we joined this cult? Um, and the other one goes, Oh, you know, religious satisfaction, you know, a, a real, <laughs> a real path in life. And they were like working it out, but like, kind of like, it was like, That's if awesome. you hang out with the 12 monkeys on their breaks, but they're very dramatic. And so, you know, for the mother of their their deity, the witness, they would treat with, you know, yeah. the utmost respect. Uh, and so, and you wanted, you know, we wanted to change, like, have a really surprising. Also, you, if you can travel anywhere in history, you can you can get in all the furniture you want. You know, you can yeah. get wherever. <laughs> so that was kind of stained glass windows, and it mm-hmm. was just, you know, it was also foretelling where we were going to go in season four with um, the middle ages a bit. Um, and then the other room that you're talking about with that uh, Olivia, Olivia's chamber, which is kind of her throne room, which we actually did render with a chair sitting up on that dais um, at one point felt, it felt too familiar for her to be sitting in a throne. Um, but w- I liked how, she would sit in the center of her cell in season two in, in a, in a sort of calm Zen pose. And I was like, how cool would it be if that's how you found the witness, you know, Mm -hmm. dressed up with that mask and whatnot. And so the idea that she becomes 
tries to become primary, this ability to tap into time by hooking into Titan. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just all my anime, geek, Matrix, Ghost in the Shell. Go, like, Ghost in the Shell is what I was riffing on for sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. You had, remember yeah. we, we talked about that. And, and then we had to hook that all into a suit that was already pre-made. And then, and then I would walk in and be like, more wires. We need more wires. <laughs> and then the DPs would yell at me. They're like, we have wires. We can't see the lights. I'm like, I don't care. Um, uh, yeah. But that was actually, Olivia's Chamber was a redress of the museum-y round set in yeah, that's right. season three, where you walk in and the mask was on display. I don't know if you remember that uh and all the pieces of the witness's life are, are all in a circle there that's actually the same bones yeah so basically another didn't if you didn't have money how could you make it cool right um so i mean we did make some fairly large <laughs> yeah. changes we, we well not large changes to the actual set but we added all that stuff in the roof and of course the, the ideas of her being connected yeah. and then the the diocese that she's on so you know also i kind of like that uh, sort of multi-sided room. We did we did that in Cassie's chamber as well, and uh, we did want something that was not so gritty as everything else, or so dark. It was a pretty place, and as Terry was saying, you know, if you had the mother of the witness, you'd want to, even though she's in prison, it'd be a pretty nice prison, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, be, be pretty, a lot of softness. And um, I did think, you know, going back in time, back to more ornate eras was really appropriate for the furniture and the bed and the chairs and all that kind of stuff so it really added a whole different look what was you know a futuristic world but yet they you know they were harking back to the past which i thought was really interesting from that set so they were similar in sort of uh, style physically but they had a very different look to how they were finally realized we'd love to hear about one of in terms of a place that the audience goes on a really interesting journey is the house of cedar and pine. Um, and it begins as, as a mantra, um, as an idea um, in season one um, and sort of a, a, a trippy vision, which Terry talked to us in the past sort of about how that came about, but then it goes, you know, the audience goes on a journey where it's a place where a cult talks to their God it's a place that represents another sort of prison for Cassie. It becomes a home. It's a place that's destroyed. And then it's the final image of the series where you feel like you sort of exhale and you're home again. And so much of that is what you all created. And so we'd love to hear sort of about how you brought that House of Cedar and Pine from just a line of dialogue and, and made many different places that had very different feels depending on where we were in the story. Yeah. I mean, that's where I would, I would say like John and Justin and Sean Tretta uh, and Chris Byrne, uh, who is our second unit director. It's kind of was like, we were a bunch of jazz musicians, you know, mm-hmm. and one of us says, you know, in a thing, it's a house of cedar and pine, you know, and the, the drummer's going, yeah well that's cool right yeah and it and it's out it's out in the middle of nowhere yeah right and then someone comes up with a little trumpet it's chris Byrne, and he goes and he finds this unbelievably iconic thing that like it could it was if it was made for 12 monkeys um yeah on location and then we're taking pictures and then we like what's it what's it look like on the inside so that was kind of the i think the extraordinary uh a, a rep that's a representation of of how well we all got along creatively is each 
iteration of that idea inspired the others to to keep to make you know to find the right wallpaper the, the furniture you know it was it was one of those it was one of those things yeah John, i totally, Justin, what I, do you totally guys? agree with that well i think i mean first of all just the ideas of you know one there's <clears throat> another example of how creative you know terry and his and his writers were in coming up with all these different um, ways of doing things in in this house, if you like, you know, the wallpaper having the writing on it, and then and and setting different things in it when it gets all shot up. Um, so a lot of it was how do you how do we make that how do we make that written that those things that are written down happen, and and then maybe how can we add to the mix, you know, make add a bit of spice to the story, and make some suggestions about the look and the feel. You know, I did think the location was was perfect. You know, a house mm-hmm. in the middle of no, yeah. a house in the middle of nowhere. It was just a mm-hmm. perfect place, and we kind of we were at one point it was going to get demolished, and we said, "No, no, don't demolish the house." That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah, you know, to keep, to keep hold of the house, and then you know what might it look like? I don't know. I don't think we ever shot inside the house, so we created. No, we weren't what, allowed because it was yeah. a, such a health and safety yes. issue. But we so almost we burned it down. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> we we uh, the, for the actual, for the fire for the actual fire that happens at the end of season three. They were going to let us burn it down, um, and uh, we really went there. But it, there was some. The issue was if you burn it down, you're then responsible for removing the debris and some of the debris would be toxic or something. Mm-hmm. There was some, mm-hmm. there was something that was like, no, but <laughs> no, <laughs> that was the big yeah. no. Well, I know that <laughs> I can remember who said no to that. Yeah. I, 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 I remember yeah. who said no too. But, yeah, Dr. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and wisely so, I mean, visual effects wise, they, they burned it down and honestly, you, they, they did such a good job. You can't, you couldn't tell. Uh, we but, had some real uh, flames, though. We we actually, we didn't burn it down, but we did have real flames on that house. I'm sure we did. Uh, I, uh, yeah, we, we went upstairs. Yeah. I know in the windows, and we we yeah. I think we were able to get inside in hazmat yeah, we, suits. But we didn't actually right. burn it down. But it looked like no. it was burning down. I remember when we went on the survey and we went there. I was like, "This is an incredible building." You know, um, you know what's inside? And they're like, "Oh, there's flies." And I was like, well, what, do you, what do you mean flies? And they're like, oh, there's like so many flies in there. And I'm like, well, how many flies could be in there, right? So so we actually, you know, we went in and we were like uh, ankle deep in flies. Like, of, yeah. like trillions. It's a really trillions. horrible interior. It, yeah. right, trillions of flies. Things and I'm like, why are there. there so many, why are there so many flies in this house? Every floor, every staircase, every room. It was, uh, it was horrifying. Well, that means they're eating something. Yes, uh, what are they doing? Uh, something <laughs> like they don't just hang, flies have a very short life like span, so something's keeping them alive in there, and I don't want to know what. <laughs> this is this is the part of the story you really don't want to hear about how you make these yeah. TV shows. Right. <laughs> but I mean, but every time, like every time you drove to this location, because it's it, it, it you're you're it's farmland, farmland, and then in the middle is this kind of it's not a it's a large structure i suppose large house it's just so iconic looking like you can't not be like whoa what's that about like Mm -hmm. is that a haunted house in the middle of nowhere um and i love that fans have taken the pilgrimage and they post pictures of themselves in front of the house really oh yeah 
Imagine if oh, yeah, you had burned it down. We couldn't do yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, there, there's a but every once in a while it'll pop up like I I did it. I found the house and it's, it's, it's still a, it's still a great painted thing. I mean, I, I if I could afford it, I'd I'd buy it. But then yeah, I'd still have to tear it down and rebuild it because there's nothing you can use. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really cool looking. And I and I think what's it, it's a tough thing, right? Because it also has to first it's this creepy old house that's in these visions. Then there's like there's a moment where they live there where you kind of warm up to the creepy haunted house that that's supposed right. to represent dread. And so this is why these guys are geniuses. They had to so we'll, we'll, we had to build the interior on our sets, and so they've got to go. I mean, John found this, or maybe it was Justin who found this really old wallpaper. Uh, you know that was actual period wallpaper and then we had to reconstruct that and and then mm-hmm. this is also they they come up with a backstory too for things that i hadn't taken into account for instance like what was it when cole bought the house you know and i yep. and i remember coming on set and it was like an old hunting cabin there was like shotguns yeah. and like yep. you know it was very very cabiny and i was like yep. oh, i didn't think about that but that's you know why this is a representation of when you have geniuses like these gentlemen, they come up and help you tell those stories. It's always lovely to be called a genius. So I'll take that. But <laughs> that's very okay. kind. Um, sure. But I think it is, it is true that we did come up with backstories. We said at one point it would have been just a normal house and with a normal mm-hmm. family. And, and so mm-hmm. I don't remember if we had that wallpaper printed or if Justin, if you found it, but we did talk about what kind of wallpaper it would be For and sure. what kind of time frame it would have come from. So it would have been not an, not an unusual house at that time, but it was many, many years later. And then it had been taken over perhaps by some older guy with the, you know, we talked about the hunting and, and those yeah. things are, uh, those stories, those un- that unspoken stuff is really important to what we do. You know, it's not necessary. Sometimes it's in the uh, script. Uh, it's still unspoken, but we, we are kind of told, you know, we're, you know, it's encouraged or we're given a direction. But sometimes it isn't, and we kind of have to come up with it. And, and that adds to the, to the texture of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you tell the story about, you know, they're living there. What are they doing? You know, how are they spending their time? Um, you know, what is life in a, in a beautiful, you know, farmhouse and, you know, I, this, you know, the idyllic setting, it was, um, it was, that was a fun set to dress. Hmm. Yeah. I thought that did, and it did go through all these different iterations and it was, um, very warm and loving when they're in there. And that was important that it was lit mm-hmm. that way. And we had nice lighting and we had picked that we, I think we got some nice slightly nicer furniture. We made it seem someplace that you would want to be. Right. Right. Um, I know that we're getting short on time, but there are two other uh, worlds that we wanted to ask you all about just because they were such, at least for the audience, uh, leaps in time. Um, the first is uh, fans have seen some drawings of building the primary time machine around an existing church. Um, and we, I think fans got to hear Sean Tretta explain how, how you found a, uh, a church that was no longer in use, but how do you, how did you all go about designing something that would be both familiar to the audience in terms of the time machine, but also built hundreds of years in the past? Oh, well, this is a case of um, how to drive your department head crazy because uh, <laughs> John, we ha- so first we had to get we had concept art done by an art because we didn't even know 
where it was like, how, what does the medieval time machine look like? You know, if it's powered by a paradox and a thing, you know, like it should be reminiscent of our machine in Toronto, um, but be Gothic and cool and made of gears and things. Uh, I think we, John, jump in it because I, you lived and breathed this in, in Prague and it, it was literally down to the wire. I think like you guys had just put the last bit of things on it like minutes before yeah, we shot. We were, we were still working, I think, that night and certainly that morning. It will. Prague, we, this is in Prague we shot this, by the way. We yeah. love the idea of it being in a church. That was definitely from the writers. Uh, we did find some really cool churches. Um, but we did find, to actually put the time machine in, we found a deep, Deconsecrated church, um, quite quite a fair bit out of Prague, uh, which had a great vibe. Um, and then for the time machine, we came up with a number of different ideas based on sort of gothic versions of our machine. You know, with the chair and the stairs up, and in sort of um, we couldn't afford to make the gears and stuff. There wasn't enough money, but we had these windows where we had hoped that we could see gears inside it. But I think they ended up just being windows, but they were still cool. So there was something inside this thing. But in fact, it ended up, we had to only really built small portions of it. I mean, we built the whole front. So if you stood in front of it, it absolutely looked real. If you got too far on, off one side, you start to see the cracks. But from a, from the, where they fight and where we see it and walking up to the um, to the stairs. And then, of course, there's the lighted side. It, it really felt very, very realistic. And we tried to make it seem something that could have been built inside this church at, at a very long time ago. And then we right. And we added the gears. The gears were added in, like, CGI when it turned. Did you on. add gears? Started, I can't remember. Yeah, did, okay. when they when it starts to move, you know, when, the, when it all, all lights up. Um right. But one of the other reasons we it, it was kind of a miracle we found that 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 church because we yeah, did look at right. other cathedrals and they would and so you'd have to submit your script to the Catholic Church and then they'd all get to the part and then she takes a sword and cuts off Deacon's head and they all go. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, that's really right. I forgot that. that. <laughs> we don't want that in our church. Um, <laughs> And then it's like, then you have to go through, like, well, I mean, do we shoot that as a special insert somewhere else? Like, how how, how do we get away with this? Um, but we really needed to kind of own the space. We did. The other we thing, did. The other thing is, um, and the, uh, you can't see, you know, the, the, the final version is all clear, but the roof had a net on it. Like, because it was a stone, this old church was a, was a very old stone church that would have been abandoned. Um, but we had to put a net in because blocks of the ceiling would come down and could oh, potentially kill you. So there was this net yeah. ab- above it. It was wild. Yeah. See, Justin, while you were moving on to uh, at, in, a, in a comfortable space to the expanse, <laughs> the, the, the air conditioned, and uh, we were nearly killing ourselves. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, Prague, I mean, Prague was a fabulous place to shoot with all the different so for, for the historical aspects, and we got so much mileage out of going to Prague with the different eras, and uh, so it was a wonderful opportunity, and also it really worked creatively. Um, the church was just one of many places we went, although probably the biggest thing we built, um, and we also had to add a lot of. Uh, leaves and tons and tons of vines, and, and we did really have to own that place. So. All our ideas of using doing a real church, it wouldn't have been as good looking if we hadn't had that. No, church. yeah, yeah, exactly. 
As you all are describing that, and then what's staggering is the next question is, you also did a Western. Um, How did you pull that off (laughs) in the same season? By the skin of our teeth. Uh, Well, the Western was really tough because, well, at least initially, um, our our producer was like, we can't afford to do this, to do a Western. I was like, but how, imagine we're going to do it anyway. How would we do it? Um, and we found, and the boy, this is yeah, a, yeah. This, so this is if a, we were, right. But say I was going to ignore you. Um, Justin and John <laughs> really came to play on this one because I, I don't even want, you should, you should explain what we found, the little, the town, that little like space that somebody built. Yeah, well, there that? was a. Uh, that wasn't me, was it, John? I don't think that was me on that one. I don't. Were you, go- I'm were sorry, you gone? I don't remember. Maybe no, I was gone, gone about, the, about the fourth um, episode in there. But you, we still remembered you. Oh though. yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes. The, <laughs> in a very positive, in a very positive way. Um, yes. The um, <laughs> the town was the town was really not a town. It was just a few buildings tacked together, and the way we were very fortunate enough to, you know, with the DPS and ourselves working together, is make it look more than it was. Um, it was a, a sort of a had been made for a movie maybe or something, but we did have to do quite a lot of work to no, make. The no, no, actual... no, no! You're forgetting the guy just built it for himself. Oh, it was for like himself? Lit... Yeah, it was like it was inside of a, of a freeway. Like <laughs> if right. you would turn the camera around, there was like a McDonald's and uh, like and but there was this <laughs> big long stretch and it was painted like primary colors. Yeah, it was like terrible. it was like blue and pink. The saloon was pink. And so we came in, John came in like, look, can you, will you let us repaint it and look, make it look real? And then I believe, stop me if I'm wrong, or if you haven't heard this, like he, once it was done and we shot there, he's like, I'm going to keep it this way. I think and so it still, it still looks that way. I mean, it looks so much way. better when we looks so much better when we left. Yeah. So, um, but we were fortunate to have, it was sort of like a one side of a street and a, maybe a little corner. And also yeah. they did have that little saloon, which, didn't require and required some extra work, but uh, but we were very fortunate to find even that because we, yeah. we had so little money we could we couldn't have built all those facades. So we mm-hmm. were we were very fortunate that that was available. And I think with the shooting of that and also the tent city, we did have to build the put all the tents up and figure out a way to make that seem like there was way more tents than there were. Um, yeah. And then that was we were helped with visual effects with that. That was that was always an idea that we would do that for those shots where you look down, you see a much bigger tent city. That right. worked, I think, quite well. Although well. touch and go on that one, I think. But the we were, <laughs> that was that was definitely skin of the teeth. That one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the whole show, skin of our teeth. <laughs> there are a couple instances in the show, whether it's. In season two, Tommy Crawford's drawings of sort of an initial red forest and, and the red monkey on the wall, or Jennifer's drawings then becoming the Ouroboros on the floor that closes season three, a, a sketch of Eliza's tomb, and then you build that set, or the yellow spiral code on the walls um, when Jennifer finally mm-hmm. paints the world. Can you walk us through... A lot of times it was something that the audience initially saw as just a sketch. And then, you know, it manifests itself as a set. Are there any stories from any of those examples you all could walk us through of of how you created that? Well, I think what we tried to do was find the location first 
or at least a sense of what it would be. You know, the statue is something you could you could sketch at any point and then um, you know put the statue anywhere. I think the tougher one would be we were shooting in Toronto. Um, so in season three, remember there was like uh, there was the, there was the gala that Cole and Cassie go to the masquerade, mm-hmm. and there was a there was a footsteps in the snow piece that needed to be uh, that Jennifer was drawing before we shot in Prague. So we would have to John would go to Prague with uh, David Grossman and Treda, and they would take pictures like we're going to use this. So we need to quickly draw that sketch back in Toronto. Um, so that would all match up, uh, or worst case scenario, you could do a second unit later. It, that did, was not possible in season four because the last, the last things we would shoot were in Prague. We would wrap the entire series in Prague. So we just, we just had to get ahead of it in in clever ways. But I think John, you know, yeah, the, the there was an awful lot of art created. So we had different people doing a lot of these different sketches. Several different artists came in and did those sketches from, you know, and these are all things that came from the writers, from Terry and the writers in terms of what the idea might be. And we would present different ideas as in terms of the, the vibe that we had for the show or the vibe that they might want to go with in terms of, you know, the if these fragments are, you know, like the yellow pieces were fragments and, it was the the art side was really quite comprehensive and quite time consuming and took a lot of quite a lot of resources to make that kind of stuff happen. Particularly that set, which is completely covered in little fragments of yellow drawing. That was a that yeah. was really a kind of a big. I mean, it was great. It looked great, but uh, as a that really took a lot of time. But we also I just remembered as you were talking, Terry, that we actually made that sculpture of that. We actually I had a sculpture sculptor sculpt that. Oh yeah, Eliza, uh, that, right? that, that, that person. Yeah, um, in Prague, I'd forgotten that until you mentioned it. And some really great guy who was, you know, like in a little tiny sort of garret, and uh, we had her pose, and he he made it happen. And uh, you know, we um, made some changes and made the right made it the right height, and and we actually had that sculpture made. So uh, yeah. rest, I think you know that's that sort of stuff is just great, you know, because that was that person was was sculpted for that set. And correct me if I'm wrong. That's something you can do in Prague, but a, a lot more difficult to do in Toronto. Oh yes. Uh, so yeah, my <laughs> guess, my reason for that is that in say in Toronto or the States, that would be a very expensive thing. Mm-hmm. Be, uh, not not that would probably be half the budget we had of that show. Oh, that for the art department of that show. I mean, right. really a lot of, a lot of money. So, uh, but in Prague, it was uh, something we could afford to do. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, John and Justin, do you all have any, looking back on it, a favorite set that you built um, or challenge you look back on where you're like, oh, that was that was hard. But when you, you know, cameras rolled, you're like, that just looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, well, on, from my point, I think um, I would say, you know, I love the temporal facility and I loved how the temporal facility kept growing. Um, and we got an opp- we had an opportunity to build, you know, so many different looks, so many different spaces. Uh, you know, I was really proud of a lot of the work we did there. And then the Emerson, um, I, I still look back to the Emerson lobby and, and how many different times, you know, we changed it. And John and I are like, you know, what are we going to do here? And how are we going to riff on this? And, you know, what are the furnishings and the, uh, the window treatments and the graphics? And so I would say, I would say the Emerson, uh, 
sort of resonates with me the most. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I agree with Justin that the, I mean, I think the, the whole show for me has a really warm feeling about my involvement with it. Um, I thought, I did think that the uh, temporal facility is a very spectacular set. And I think it's probably, it, in looking back, it's one of my favorite sets from any job I've worked on. You know, when you come into that room, it's, it's kick-ass and that's, that's very cool. Um, I also really enjoyed the um, the other time machine, the one in Prague. I enjoyed the time in Prague enormously. It really felt very collegiate and uh, really felt like we were all working together. Not that we weren't in Toronto. It was just a smaller team and, and you know, you were in a different country. So it was, uh, I really, really enjoyed that aspect. Yeah. Terry, how about you? Because, you know, for a lot of these, there was an idea in your head <laughs> and then you walk on set um, anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the temporal facility. I mean, like it, it, uh, for me, uh, it's where every, everything came together with, you know, walking into the time machine room to Jones's podium, which I still have uh, to the furniture, to like Jones's chair, which I also still have, uh, to the, to the lights, you know, the, the the really cool. I was just emailing Justin about. It, I'm sure these guys are like, God, he really needs to let it go. But <laughs> I, I I absolutely love the hanging the hanging lights with the cages on the temple facility. Oh, the, like, the, I, I, um, the pendant the lights. lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. just those are fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And it, and I don't. I watch a lot of science fiction, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of looks. I think we we did that still feel fresh and original. Like I, I like, I don't feel like we were terribly derivative in, in anything that we, we did. Um, and that's because of these gentlemen here. There are some shows now where I kind of cock my head and be like, huh, that looks like 12 monkeys. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, we've been, yeah, we can, (laughs) we have been absolutely, been uh characterized a few times yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is one very famous show that uh-huh. at first i was like oh you know it's a coincidence and then <laughs> yes, as, that's right <laughs> as the imagery went on i was like okay that is not a coincidence anymore <laughs> mathematically that is somebody like yeah anyway it's a compliment i suppose <laughs> yeah. yeah highest highest form of flattery right john and justin can you just as closing out where can audiences see your work next um i did the last thing i did of real consequence was fbi so uh, it's a cbs show uh i would be um on the expanse so um uh season up to season five on the expanse so that's where my last work is that you can see right now nice and that's coming out next month right season five Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting launched. Um, um, hopefully, with some fanfare. But yeah, we're, we'll be uh, we'll be <laughs> able to stream shortly. Well, we we will be watching. So that's thank exciting. you, thank you. Um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for taking this time. Um, this is you know, the sets you all designed, they are iconic to fans. Um, you know, people drive out to go see the house of Cedar and Pine and, um, you know, make fan art of the time machine and the chair. So it, it and the hern. they go after the Hearn too, guys. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Terry, Thank I think you so need much. to set up a, uh, a museum with all your props. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> kind of, Kind of my uh, you can, the stairwell leading to my basement is all. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
Next up, a conversation about directing with Terry Metalis and director and producer David Grossman, director of 16 12 Monkeys episodes. Thank you for listening, and until next time, we'll see you soon.